All right, all right, all right. This is Brian Bailey here bringing you a new podcast. Yes, I'm breaking out on my own, separating from the in the hunt shackles, and I'm going to provide a new series called Next Level Performance. This podcast will show you the path forward using data science and how to improve your game so you can reach that next level performance. Hey there, Fuel and GameForge members. This is Brian Bailey here bringing you Next Level Performance podcast. This is also being recorded and will be placed in our video platform inside of Fuel. You will be able to see all video and graphs that I show for free. All you have to do is create an account. And again, all podcast videos are free inside of that. Shameless plug right out the gate. But hey, I got your attention, so I better use it. Uh, so once again, my name is Brian Bailey. You might know me from In the Hunt, GameForge, Aimpoint, College Golf Coach, just, you know, all around super guy. Uh, I'm bringing you a new series that's really going to talk about what it takes for you to reach your next level. So this podcast, we're going to talk about offense. Probably something you don't think about very often in golf. Golf, a lot of times we're talking defense. We're saying stay away from certain numbers. Make sure bad things don't happen. But here, inside of the next level performance, we're going to ask you to dare to be different. And we're going to talk about offense. When does it matter? What are the components and how can I make it better, right? So let's dive in to the inaugural uh, Next Level Performance Podcast. Uh, before we go too far, just to give you an understanding, hey, Brian Bailey, your spirited golf host here, uh, just to give you kind of a background of my kind of coaching career, um, I was assistant high school golf coach in Virginia Beach at Ocean Lakes High School. Thank you, uh, Gary Spedden, for that. He was the head coach and also the baseball coach. Assistant uh, D3 college coach at Virginia Wesleyan College. I was hired by the basketball coach because um, he got a stipend, knew nothing about golf, but just got the money for running the golf team. So I ran the day-to-day operations. Uh, he left the school. I had the head coaching job for about seven minutes. And then they hired a new coach and I lost the job. So then I became the assistant again. But that encouraged me to actually chase uh, coaching as a career. So then I actually applied and became the uh, Division II uh, college coach, men's and women's at Lenore Ryan College. So I was there for about four years, coached the men and the women. Then I took an assistant D1 job at the University of Virginia as a women's golf coach. Thank you, Jan Mann, for hiring me and Kim Llewellyn for keeping me on as Jan retired or quasi-retired because she bounced back a few years later at a different university. And then after that, I got out of college coaching. I became a short game and putting coach. And really, my last couple of years at UVA, I really kind of dove in on short game and putting uh, to become a good coach on that side to help the team. I've, I've gone ahead and pursued that after my college career, and I work with a bunch of high-end players, juniors, uh, collegians, and also touring professionals. And then I am the co-creator of MyGameForge.com, data analytic group that actually shows you what it takes to get better. So enough about me. Just wanted you to understand who were, who is actually kind of you know ranting and raving in your ear. And again, let's dive into offense inside of Next Level Podcast. So does scoring in golf resemble any other sports? Great question, right? Think about it. If you talk to most older golfers, older professionals, they say golf is completely different. 
it's a game of skills and you have different lie conditions and you have this and that. But at its core, does it resemble any other sports? Of course it does. It resembles every sport. Let's take one of my favorites, American football. Yeah, not that European thing. American football, right? So inside of American football, what does it take for you to be able to score? Virginia Tech grad, giving you some love here, VT. So first thing we need to do is what? We've got to create opportunities. So inside of football, so once you cross the 50-yard line, that is a scoring opportunity. Your scoring chances go up, right? I'm getting closer to the end zone. As I get into kind of that, you know, 30 or 20 to 50-yard range, now I'm getting into field goal range, right? That my ability to score gets higher. And then they have something called red zone when you get inside the 20-yard line, right? 20 to the end zone. Scoring chances go way up. Then you get inside the 10. Now you really have a great chance of scoring, right? So as we get closer and closer to the end zone, our scoring chances get better and better. This works for European soccer as well. Touches inside the box, touches 20 meters out. 30 meters, so forth, understanding where the touches are and the shots are coming from. The closer we get, the higher the frequency, the more opportunities, the more likely we are to score a goal. Now, granted, European soccer, they seem to score a goal once every seven months. But anyways, you know, hats off to you guys. Uh, the next thing we're going to look at is opportunities are important, but it's not the only thing. What is the other component that we have to do? There has to be a conversion piece, right? So we've got to give ourselves the opportunity to score, the more the merrier, and then we have to actually convert at that. How often do we get it in the end zone? How often do we put it on the back of the net? What does that look like? So what you can see with golf, golf is very similar. How is that, you say, Mr. Bailey? Well, let's show you. So inside of golf, and especially inside of GameForge, we actually track proximities and we say, hey, how often do I hit it within a certain distance from the hole to make birdie? Hence, offense, right? Offense is all about making birdie. How often do I hit it within these certain zones? And that allows me to be able to convert and score, right? So our opportunities were inside of Game Forge or inside of golf in general would be blackjacks. How often do I hit it for birdie, 8 feet and in? How often do I hit it 20 feet and in? How often do I hit it 40 feet and in? And then something which we call effective greens and then something we call out of positions or outside of 40 feet. But you can really see in position, blackjacks, effective greens. This is really looking at how often and how close do I hit it to the pin. The more opportunities I have, the more chances I have to make birdies. So this would be greens and regulation, right? How many greens do I hit and how close? A lot of people track greens out there, which is great. That gives you some good information, but it's not enough information. We need more information. So we need basically the proximities inside of those greens and regulation. I hit, you know, 10 greens. How many of those are inside of 20 feet? That matters. How many of those are inside of 8 feet? How many of those are inside of 40 feet? Those kind of pieces matter. So opportunities are greens and regulation, but also more so proximity to the pin. And the next thing is our conversion rate. How often do we actually make those putts? As a blackjack putter, how often do I make it? As an in-position putter, 20 feet and in, or 9 to 20 feet, what does that look like? 20 to 40 feet, what does that look like? Out of position, how often am I going to make putts at distance? So all of these are key components for you to start to understand what it takes to score. Very similar, like I said, to every other sport out there. I also want to throw this in. I'm riddled with ADD, so I can end up in some really, really funny spots. Just sit back and enjoy it. Uh, so again... Uh, this is what it looks like to score inside of golf. Before we dig any deeper inside of creating offense for your golf game, I'm going to give you an Insta challenge. 
Roll the tape. Time for an instant challenge. I'm going to give you a few questions. You need to answer them and post them either direct message or on my story before listening to the rest of the podcast. Good luck. All right, here we are with the instant chat challenge. So what we're going to do is each podcast, we're going to have a topic. This month, we're talking about offense, how to create it, what is it. So our three to five questions will talk about nothing but offense, making birdie. What I want you to do is read these questions, reflect on them, and then answer them. I want to see what your knowledge base is as we move forward. Hopefully, a lot of you will understand and be able to answer these questions. We'll know the percentages. We'll know what's important. But if you don't, hey, it's a great time to start learning, right? I want you to go ahead and post your answers via Instagram. Direct message me. I'll actually post each individual question, and you can go through inside of the story and answer them that way as well. But what we want to do is start interacting with you, the listener, and make sure that we're providing you the information and the understanding you need to be a better performance golfer. So without further ado, let's ask the five questions. And don't tell anybody, but if you actually if you actually put answers inside of Instagram, we'll be selecting certain players for a free gift. But Shh, don't tell anybody. That's our secret. So question number one is, what scoring average does offense have to kick in? When do I have to start making birdie? I can only play away from the hole for so long. So when is it do I need to start creating birdie? Is it when I shoot 84 plus? Do birdies really start kicking in at 84 to 80 player? Do birdies kick in at 75 to 79? Or do birdies kick in 74 and below? When do you think birdies kick in the most? Write it down. Question number two. This distance bend accounts for over 85% of all birdies made on the putting green. So we're going to take a, a bunch of different distances and kind of put them into one bend. So basically one to eight feet, do 85% of your birdies come from there? One to 12 feet, do 85% of your birdies come from there on the putting green? One to 20 feet, does 85% or more of your birdie putts come from there? And then finally, one to 30 feet. What one of these zone makeups, these distance bends, gives you 85% of your birdies? Hmm, good question. Question number three. What ratio of greens, when I actually hit the green in regulation, so on a par four, I hit it in two, a par three, I hit it in one, par five, I hit the green in three, provides me enough opportunities to average even? A lot of the a lot of these podcasts will talk about the scratch player and even player because it's a great benchmark. Who doesn't want to be even, right? Well, okay, maybe a touring professional. Okay, maybe a collegiate and a really high-end junior. They probably want to be scratch. They want to be under. Maybe your club champion. Okay, for most of us, we want to be scratch even players. So this, this will be kind of our benchmark, our baseline. We'll talk about what it takes to be tour as well as leading into scratch. But a lot of our questions will be about the average even golfer, the scratch player. So again, how many greens and regulations do we need? Uh, and how many of those need to be in position? In position is when we hit it within 20 feet. Kind of in the earlier slide, we talked about proximities, right? So is it four greens to everyone in position? So 25% of the time when I hit the green, I'm actually inside of 20 feet. Or is it three greens to one in position? 33% of the time I'm within 20 feet when I hit the green. Is it 50% every two greens I hit one in position? Or is it a 100% ratio, one green to one in position? So every time I hit the green, I need to be 20 feet and in. What ratio provides you the best opportunity to shoot even? Question number four. Some, so now we've talked about question three is about opportunities. 
right? Question four and five are actually going to be about conversions, make percentages. So what is your make percentage for holding birdie putts between one and eight feet for an average even player, for that scratch player? Is it 90% or hold? 80%? 70%? 60%. So for a scratch player from one to eight feet, if we drop 10 balls, what percentage of the time are they actually making the putt? There are your choices. <laughs> Good luck with that one. And then the final one is make percentages for holding birdie putts from 9 to 20 feet. What we call in-position conversions. Uh, again, looking at a scratch player, is it 40% of the putts are hold from 9 to 20, 30%, 20%, or 10 So again, this is for the average player shooting even par. Here are your five questions. I'll give you a couple minutes to look at it, and then we'll move on. Let's jump into this new segment of Next Level Podcast called Just the Facts. Learn what the numbers say for performance. All right, it's time for Just the Facts. We're going to dive into the numbers here and actually really start breaking down those questions. So question number one is what scoring average do you have? do birdies have to kick in? This is a wonderful graph. This changed my entire coaching philosophy and understanding of players. So when does birdies really kick in? So what we can really see is at even par, birdies and bogeys cross, right? So three birdies, three bogeys. Hmm. Remember that. We'll come back to that. So you can see that birdies really, inflection-wise, really start kicking in about 74, right? We've got to start making a ton of birdies, 74 and on, where – you can see that bogeys and double, like bogeys are kind of mid 80s, mid 70s, get bogeys out of the system and get doubles out of the system, kind of mid to upper 80s through 100, right? So here's kind of our learning progressions on scoring what matters when. But if you want to win, if you want to be a scratch or better player, we've got to learn to make birdies. So that means we've got to learn to target better. We've got to learn to control the golf ball better. We've got to learn to putt better. We've got all these components that have to come together for us to make more birdies. There's a lot of players out there, and I, I see it through college golf, a lot of amateurs that play risk-averse, that they're afraid of making birdie because they're scared of making bogey. Well, if we can make enough birdies, we can flush extra bogeys out of the system. But to be a scratch or better player, we've got to make you know, anywhere from three to five birdies per round. So, again, as a scratch player, we've got to make three. How many are you making right now at whatever your handicap is? Right? Whoa. I've got to pick up two more on average per round. Right? So, Or, you know, if I'm averaging one, what does that look like? So, I've got to find three birdies. So, again, the answer to question number one was 74 and below is when birdies kick in. I have to start making birdie. Kind of common sense when you think about it now. So, if you missed that one, it's okay. Send it to me anyways. Question, and this is just a different version of what I just showed you. It kind of gives you a pie chart breakout, but you can see, you know, basically from a hundred player all the way to low 80s, you're making roughly one birdie per round max. You really don't start seeing birdies showing up until you're in the 70s, and then really you don't start to see multiple birdies, you know, two and a half, three, four birdies until you really get to that mid 70s, 74 and better. So again, that's just a pie chart that kind of gives you that. If you're listening to it on the podcast, it just again takes each one and kind of breaks it out by example. But just know, again, you're not making birdies until really, you know, you start shooting mid to low 70s. Birdie is becomes optimal. So now the question two was, 
at what distance bin accounts for 85% of all birdies? So we started talking about when birdies start to matter inside of scoring, but where do I get birdies from, right? Now, we don't hole out very often chipping or from fairways, so most of our birdies are going to come from the putting green. So the question was, is what distance bend do we make, do 85% of our birdies or more come from? We said, is it 1 to 8 feet? So basically, really close to the hole. 1 to 12 feet would be our next circle. Like, how often do I make, do 85% of my birdies come from there? The next circle was 1 to 20 feet which inside the system we call in positions. And then the last one we said one to 30 feet. What does that look like? So where do you think the majority of your birdie putts come from? Winner, winner, one to 20 feet in positions. You know, we talked about it. There's a reason I said we track in positions and we talked about in positions. So 20 feet and in is really where our birdie putts come from. So like we talked about earlier, greens are important, but I also have to understand how often am I within 20 feet because those are my opportunities to make birdie if i hit a bunch of green and i'm outside of 20 feet birdies ain't showing up and again you can definitely see this with higher handicappers people that have less control of the golf ball end up further from the hole of course they're not going to make very long putts and of course three putts and things like that jump in but understanding that 85 percent of all birdies really come from 20 feet and in that is a key factor and something you need to track inside of your stats if you're not doing it now Hey, join GameForge. We'd love to have you. We'll track it for you. But if you don't want to join GameForge, you're using another system, just make sure you're tracking greens 20 feet and in. That is a important marker to be able to predict birdie opportunities. So then, then we had question three. So now we've talked about scoring what it takes, birdies, where they come from. Now we've got to create birdies, right? So what is the ratio to greens and regulation? How many greens do I have to hit? to be an even player? That's question one. So this is kind of a two-part question. How many greens do I have to hit? And then from that, how many impositions do I have to provide to create an even player? So if we think about it, is it four greens to every one imposition? 25%. Is it three greens to every one imposition? Two greens to every one imposition or one green to every one imposition? So 100% of the time, 50% of the time, 33% of the time, 25% of the time. So here is an actual scratch player inside of the GameForge system. You can see they're averaging a little over 12 greens, and they're averaging six in positions. Hmm. Let's see if that holds up. Here's player number two inside of GameForge. Completely different player, and they're averaging a little over 12 greens and six and a half in positions. So what do you think the answer is? Correct. Two. 50% of my greens to be a, an even player or better, have to be in positions. So what are we learning? For a scratch player, we've got to find 12 greens, and at minimum, six of those have to be in position. We actually created a rule from this. We call it the 50-50 rule. Again, 50% of the greens I hit have to be within 20 feet. And 50-50 rule actually expands. We'll talk about that here more in a second. So what we can learn, again, to be able to shoot even par, we got to hit roughly 12 greens, and half of those have to be in position. I have to have six birdie putts. Well, if we talked about birdies and bogeys kind of crossed at three, right? We talked about that. So what do you think our make percentage has to be as a putter 20 feet and in? That's right, 50%. Inside of GameForge, we created something called a BIP rate. A BIP rate shows uh, as a kind of average, shooting average, you know, shooting scratch, shooting even. 
on average, you're going to make roughly 50% of your putts that are in position. That Again, remember, that's all putts between 1 and 20 feet, so we're randomly having opportunities. So of my six opportunities inside of 20 feet, they're going to be randomly closer to the hole, further from the hole. Of course, closer to the hole I get, the more I'll make. The further I get from the hole, my percentages are going to go down. But we know majority of our birdies are coming from there. So now when we hit 12 greens, six of those are inside of 20 feet. Our goal is to be able to create half of those as hold putts. And to give you a great story about this, I had a tour player uh, working with a good friend of mine, uh, Joe Hallett. She saw this number and didn't believe it. Said, there's no way. I'm a great putter. This is not happening. Joe asked me to speak with her, LPGA player. We said, hey, here's what the... Here's what it looks like. To play on tour, it's actually even higher, right? We're pushing 55 60%. But she believed she was a good putter, so I said, hey, the next couple of weeks, I want you to go out, drop balls between 1 and 20 feet, and your goal is to make half, right? 50% uh, kind of a BIP rate, right? BIP is birdies to end positions, right? The math is simply how many birdies do I have divided by end position. So I, I challenged her, do this for a couple of weeks, see what happens. In the beginning, she struggled. You know, I always compare it to the four-minute mile. Nobody could run the four-minute mile until somebody broke the four-minute mile. Then a lot of people broke the four-minute mile, right? This is the same way. I'm giving you 50% of the time. You need to hold putts between one and 20 feet to be scratch or better. And she didn't believe me. She trained, worked hard at it, kind of after about two weeks, figured it out, got her BIP rate in practice up over 55 60%, and then she proceeded to win the next three weeks on the mini tours. Because all we did is we changed her outcome, her goal, and, and her performance, what she was chasing, and she did the rest. So what you're going to come to find out as a performance coach with really high-end players, if you can actually set expectations correct and get them training to the right expectations, you'll be amazed on how much you can move players without even talking technique. Right. So again, what does this mean? So our BIP rate has to be right around 50%. So the 50% rule, if you really think about it, I have to hit 12 greens. Half of those have to be within 20 feet, and half of those have to be hold. Gives me three birdies. Gives me the ability to shoot par. We'll talk about making three bogeys to shoot even in upcoming podcasts. But again, this is a concept you have to understand. Opportunities, greens, but greens aren't good enough. I need to know in positions, how often inside of 20 feet, and then what is my conversion rate? What does that look like? Boom, bip rate. It's a great stat. It's a great compound stat inside of GameForge. Like I said, we track this, and it really is a ball striking component plus conversion component. So it's a really, really good compounding uh, statistic. So just the facts as we dive in a little bit deeper to question four, make percentage of holding birdie putts between one and eight feet. What does that look like? We kind of talked about it as an even player. So a player that's going to shoot even par. So let's drop our line for an even par here. And what does that look like? Right there, an even player is going to be making roughly, that's right, 60% of their putts inside of eight feet. So again, if I randomly drop 10 putts for you right now on the putting green and said, all right, how many can you make? As a scratch player, you should be making roughly 60% for birdie. This is not all putts because what we learn inside of GameForge, and you kind of probably know this as a player, birdie putts have different importance than par putts. So, again, we're talking about the average holding for offense, making birdie, 60%. Hmm. What was your thought? Where did you guys go on that question? I'd be inter I'm interested to find out. Next question is IP conversion. This is 9 to 20 feet, right? 
what is the actual in position conversion rate for a scratch player? Let's drop the line once more. And what we see here is roughly a little over 20%. So C for a scratch player, 20%. Tour players, you're pushing 30. Best in the world will be 33, 35. To win on tour, it's up over 50. Um, but again, they're playing the best rounds of their, their lives, potentially. But as an average scratch player to shoot even, I have to make 20% of my putts between 9 and 20 feet. It's not that many, is it? 9 to 20 feet is a very challenging zone to make a lot of putts. Face, read, speed all have to match for you to make putts. Inside of 8 feet, I can have some bad conditions, launch conditions, things like that. As long as my read and speed are good, I'll make a bunch of putts. And then at distance, you know, I can have some issues as well. But really, 9 to 20 to be really good there, read, speed, and, and uh, start lines all have to match. And there's tons of videos inside of Fuel that, that'll address this. Mark Sweeney's given a couple great presentations on it. Uh, Gareth McShay as well. So I encourage you to go watch those videos. But again, understanding that we're only making 20% as a scratch player. So again, if I put you on the putting green right now, drop 10 balls between 9 and 20 feet. As a scratch player, you're only making two. Are you training that way? Of course, inside of training, we're going to make it a little bit more difficult. We'll say, let's go for 30%. We always want to make it a little bit harder in training because it's safe. There's no pressures. So we want to create pressures by putting an, a stress on you of having to make a number higher than what you're averaging. But again, 20% is the number. Are you training to that? Are you getting better? Those are our goals. We've got to be testing that, assessing that, and training to that every time we're on the putting green. So that is just the facts on creating offense. We have finally reached the last segment of the show called Three Questions. This is where I field questions from you, the audience, via Instagram, the form inside of GameForge, or direct email. All questions must pertain to golf and performance. Keep it clean, people. All right, three questions. That's an exciting part of the day for me. I get to go ahead and bloviate on questions asked by people inside of Instagram. Uh, we get tons of questions. I'll post questions throughout. So if you're not following us on Instagram, make sure you do that. Uh, it's a great way to kind of keep in touch with what we're doing. Also, inside of GameForge, we have the form. You, we ask questions, and you can ask questions inside of there as well. But this was a question I got from Instagram. Improve ball striking or game tactic? Coaching students around 18-year-old, what is more important? Hmm. Of course, it depends, right? depends on the player. But you can't really answer that question without even a more important factor. What is their performance like? What does it look like? How well do they hit greens and regulations? How often do they give them opportunities? What are their conversion rates? I need to understand their performance before I can answer either one of those two questions, right? I think game tactics are important. That's targeting. But again, how well can I target? Well, I need to know my dispersions. So again, I think the prelude to this question would be, how do I teach my player performance better? And all this takes care of itself on whether I need to work on ball striking or game tactics. Whether it's an 18-year-old, 40-year-old, tour player, junior, club champ, just trying to go out and have fun on the weekends. What does my performance look like? Understand what I am. Where am I trying to go? What does my next level look like? We have all those benchmarks inside of GameForge. It'll create your training model, and it'll show you whether your tactics need to be improved ball striking, 
ability to make putts, whatever the component that is. So to me, I think we need to go to a much simpler question is how is it, how is each player performing? Where can I get their performance better? And the game tactics and ball striking will sort itself out without batting an eyelash. So that was question number one. Question number two, how are you using fingers uh, to finger out shot dispersions and shot cones? Oh, figure out. I got you. You you have spell check like me. <laughs> um, so how do I use fingers? Um, if you've seen aim point on the putting green, people hold up fingers to predict putt. You can actually apply fingers to the flag stick, and it gives you a good sense of what a shot and average dispersion is. So remember, dispersion, which we're going to talk about in future podcasts, but dispersion is the average distance from the hole. So I use fingers laterally, left, right misses. And what we've come to find out is one finger from the flag stick is basically best on tour. Two finger is kind of tour average. Three finger is kind of their average of all shots from all different lie conditions. So you as a player, depending on where your scoring average is, you can hold up you know, on each side of the cup or each side of the flag stick or on one side. Depending on how good you are at controlling the golf ball, you can actually use fingers as dispersions. Uh, this replaces the need of a track man. Okay, TrackMan does a lot of cool stuff, or flight scope. But what this, the cool thing about using fingers is you can actually target on the golf course with them because these are not illegal. So you can actually hold up your average dispersions and move it by a flag stick to make sure that you're not going to end up in a hazard or a bunker or short side yourself on a certain part of the green you don't want to be on. So you can actually use your fingers on the golf course to shape lateral dispersions and understand your shotgun. Inside of training, hold up three fingers. Of this wedge, how many end up right of the flag stick within three fingers? That is a great way to train. And again, if we start understanding percentages inside of training, now we can apply that on the golf course. If I know I'm 70, 80% of the time I'm hitting within three fingers, I'm pretty daggone confident when I have that club in my hand on the golf course with a pretty good lie that I can hit it within that zone. That, again, goes back to our earlier question about targeting and ball striking. That is all pieces, right? The beauty of ga- this game is it all is interwoven. It falls on top of each other. It's not like I move, move X and I guarantee this score. It's moving X, Y, Z, alpha, beta, gamma. All these pieces moving together, it'll give us a golf score. So, again, finger dispersions are really good at showing lateral, left, right misses, as well as take it to the golf course and give you a good targeting uh picture so that was question two and question number three is should i go for the pin and when should i play away another tough question uh you guys are not making it easy on me this week when should you go for the pin really depends god what a weak weak argument right depends on your ability right so inside of game forge with a lot of our consulting players we actually have some crossover points where we say you're more likely to make birdie than bogey, more likely to make par than bogey, and things like that. So what you've got to understand is how good you are from different distances are when you will attack certain pins. But that's not everything. So ball striking is a big component. Is there a water hazard? Is there a bunker? Is there a bad part of the green? What we come to find out with scratch players and really, really good tour players you got to go for every pin inside of roughly 130, 150 yards. That's attack pin mentality. We've got to go after pins. And then we'll start to kind of be okay with, well, even at distance, we're going at pins, but we just understand our dispersion is bigger, so we might need to adjust a little bit of targeting. The only time pin attacks change is if there's a hazard. Um, 
and then it'll kick us more to the middle of the green. We have a wonderful simulator um, that we do with a lot of our consulting teams that basically shows you, you attack the pin at pretty much every distance unless there's a hazard and just understand as your distance gets further, your dispersion gets a little wider, something to pay attention to. But for scratch players and better players, you're really pin hunting a lot, um, probably a lot more than a lot of other systems out there. Uh, but again, it all goes back to where are you inside of your ability to control the golf ball and things along that line. So I would say, especially with offense in mind this month, you know, kind of in the podcast that we've talked about, you're going to go after a lot more pins than you sh think you should. Uh, and some people will say, well, that'll introduce bogeys and more chipping. Yes, we could introduce more chipping with short sides. We might introduce more bogeys, but if we create a lot more opportunities and we convert at a higher at a good rate we will absorb whatever bogeys we 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 mount by being more aggressive we'll we'll surpass that and then some so we make up ground but again you will only know this if you track this data and make sure you understand what you're capable of that's why i say it's so important to have a stat program and i have a great one for you it's called mygameforge.com sign up today get 30 days free but again, you need to start tracking this information. So again, when do I attack pins? Really depends on the level you're at, your ability to control a golf ball. But kind of that scratch player and tour player, man, you're attacking the pin a whole lot more than you think you are. And there'll be more podcasts on that coming up. So again, when do we attack pins? I hope you enjoyed this first podcast um, on offense. Probably a little clunky at points. That's me. I'm kind of clunky. Um, it'll get better over time as I kind of find my voice and kind of see where I'm going to go completely with this podcast. But I think the format's pretty pretty solid on what I'm trying to do. What we want to do is give you the information that you need to reach your next level, and we really targeted offense. Uh, behind this video, I created a, I guess, a alternate personality, a performance coach from back in the 70s and the 80s. And their performance advice was given a little bit different. So I'll run a little uh, the Magic 8-Ball performance coach. And you can actually see how your scores ranked in those five questions against the Magic 8-Ball performance coach. A little bit of fun. But hey, I loved having you here. Thank you for your time. Thank you for, sp for spending time with us, listening and bettering your game. If you, there's anything I, you, I can do for you, you can reach out to me at MyGameForge.com, Brian at MyGameForge.com. Hit me up at the Insta chat. Uh, I monitor that pretty well. And again, look forward to hearing from you, seeing what kind of answers you had for our challenge. And hey, dare to be different. Let's be performers, not swing nuts on the range, right? Let's learn to perform on the golf course. Uh, so without further ado, Magic 8-Ball Performance Coach, have at it. Let's see how your predictions matched up to the Magic 8-Ball Performance Coach. <laughs> yes, I have struck a contract with the GameForge people, and I am the Magic Ball Performance Coach. I have blurred out my face, um, therefore you don't know exactly who I am. That way, if you are paying me a whole lot of money to teach you performance, <laughs> here's the real trick. I don't know, I've been winging it for years using the Magic 8-Ball. So let's go ahead and look at the eight, five questions. I will answer with the 8-Ball and see how that matches with your performance knowledge. What scoring average does the offense have to kick in on? Is it 84 plus? Let me put on my spectacles here. And the answer is 
most likely, so you must come up with a strategy to make birdie at 84 plus. Answer is A. The eight ball does not lie. Question number two. The distance bin that accounts for 85% of all birdies made, is it 1 to 30 feet? Try again later. Is it 1 to 20 feet? Ask again in an hour. <laughs> is it 1 to 12 feet? Most likely, so the answer is B, 1 to 12 feet accounts for 85% of all birdies. Oh, I am making money off of the eight ball here, people. Number three, what ratio of greens to in positions? I don't even know what this language is, but the magic eight ball will. A, is it four greens to one in position? It says, you may be right on. So it is A. So we're going, our answers right now are A, B, A. ABBA. Great band. <laughs> I love them in the 70s. Next question. Make percentage for holding birdie putts inside of 8 feet. We'll start with 60%, which is the letter D. It says, sources say no. How about 70%? It says, try back later. We'll move forward. Is it 80%? It says... Decisively, no. So therefore, it must be 90%. And it says, Outlook is good. So 90%. So we've gone A, B, A, A. Finally, make percentages for holding birdie putts from 9 to 20 feet. The Magic 8-Ball wants to start at 40%. And it says, try again later. Then it goes to 30%. It says... Positively, yes. So we're back to B. The Magic 8-Ball only works on A's and B's, I guess. So the answers was 84 and higher, 1 to 12 feet, 85% and then. What ratio of greens? It was A. Make percentage for holding birdie putts, 1 to 8, 90%. Let me be your agent if that is true. Well, I can make more money off of you. And the final one was 30% holding putts between 9 and 20. Let's look at the math and see if we actually got this right. Ooh. 0 for 5. How did that compare it against you? You peasants. You simpletons. You non-performance coaches. You beat me? Really? Hmm. That's alright, I'm gonna charge you $200 an hour. Goodbye. This has been a Fuel production.